this episode is so incredibly epic. It took over a year to record. Well, okay. Over a year to edit. Okay. Maybe I was busy. Listen. It'll probably be okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At some point, I want to just say rest in peace. Yeah, Matt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we actually, in my rur- very, very rural school, Nicole, my roommate who I share a room with, and I, we stopped and blasted. <laughs> Blasted X gonna give it to you. <laughs> and like the business, the business teacher came over and said, "What the hell's going on in here?" <laughs> and then I told him, I said, "Well, we're real sad for the queen because not only did she lose her husband, but she no. also lost a cousin." <laughs> Every time, so good. <laughs> And then Jenny piles on. Yeah, you know, Gaia, just like your dad. <laughs> says, Did you really marry your cousin? And Jenny's like, yeah, you know, just like your dad's parents. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're royalty. And that's exactly <laughs> That's the best spin I've heard on it in weeks. <laughs> For a second, when you, I thought you were talking about DMX being married to his cousin. I was like a little lost there for a second. <laughs> Like, oh, I didn't know this. This episode of It Will Probably Be Okay was recorded on April 14, 2021. Oliver Wendell Holmes, a former Supreme Court justice, said, a mind that is stretched by a new experience can never go back to its old dimensions. And what better, or sometimes worse, way to have a new experience than to travel. Tonight on It Will Probably Be Okay, we discuss travel. I'm Nick, and the pandemic has made me realize that I haven't traveled nearly enough. Hi, I'm Nikenji, and I think regardless of the pandemic, I'll always be too impoverished in my brain to want to spend money to travel like I'd like to. And my name is Gabe Wollenberg, and I won't go anywhere that I won't have my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I turned into that guy at some point. I don't know how that happened, but we are uh, we're dog traveling people now, <laughs> which is why we drive everywhere. <laughs> Joseph likes to get in the car, and he's never run away from me or given or given me a bloodborne infection. So, like, that's perfect. That's a good dog. <laughs> so. Let's talk about that. For my portion of the show tonight, I just wanted to share a few memories and hear of yours. So I came up with a couple of questions, and and I just kind of want to go through and and talk about some of the travel experiences that you've had. So first of all, question number one, what comes to your mind when I ask you to think of a memorable travel story? I am happy to go first. The first story that comes to mind when I think of a memorable travel story, I was probably 22. And a buddy and I went to travel to Louisville, Kentucky. We came up with this idea to do these like four day trips. He was a teacher. So we would do them over Easter break. I mean, we'd leave on Sunday night and we'd come back home on Thursday. We did this for three years. And one of the years we went to Louisville, Kentucky. And 
we, I like as a 22, 23 year old really liked smoking cigars back then. So me and my buddy were walking in the middle of the day in Louisville, Kentucky, one of our first days of the trip. And we see this guy, he's out in front of this building and he's smoking a cigar. So we figured, well, this guy will know where to get a good cigar here and, you know, here in town. So as we walk up to him, we just say, Hey, can, sir, could you tell us a good cigar shop here in Louisville where we traveled here and just looking to get some cigars. And the guy told us a place, massive guy, huge guy. He told us a place. And so we went, went along on our way and we got about a block away from this guy and he called us back. And we walked back to him and he said, hey, I've got some cigars up in my office. I'd be happy to give you guys. So like, okay. So we get go in this office building with this guy. We get in this elevator. We go up to a couple floors. We walk into his office and this guy has a floor to ceiling humidor. A humidor is this thing that you store cigars in. He has thousands of cigars in his office, in this massive glass humidor. And so he goes, "Have you guys, do you like Cubans? And like, you know, it's like Cubans are embargoed still. We're, you know, like, we're like, uh, yeah, sure. I'd never had a Cuban before, but yeah. I like. So he, he gave us each a Cuban and he gave us one other cigar and he walked us to, to the elevator and that was it. It was awesome and memorable and unexpected and kind of like epitomizes what I think is kind of some of the best moments of so travel. Just two quick things. The first is if you were women, you would never have done that. And two, you just don't have to ask the like, just the right one. Like the right one of all the right ones. <laughs> yeah, I know. We just asked the right guy. That's, I think, the recipe for a great travel experience is serendipity, right? Serendipity, Like yeah. the fact that for whatever reason, time and space have coordinated to put you in the right place at the right time. And then taking, building on that, the fact that you pretty much have a 50-50 shot of either having your dreams come true or you ending up in, in, gagged in, in, the, in a box. You know I what mean, I mean? Like, like I said, I mean, to be fair, I think this guy, he was probably a few years removed from it, but I'm going to guess he was a, a college football player, an offensive lineman, because he was wearing a um, track suit from the University of Arkansas. So a top and a bottom like that you only get if you're a player, I'm sure. And uh, I mean... To be fair, this guy could have probably beaten me and my buddy up fairly easily as well. I, I still feel like I was taking a risk. Yeah, well, that's that. But that's that, I guess, is my point. Like the risk part that you take on vacation are risks you would when you're traveling are risks you would never take at sure. your house. Sure. Like in your sure. hometown. Again, absolutely 1000 percent. My privilege is showing you have the luxury of taking that kind of a risk. Right. Like as a mm -hmm. as a cis white dude here in, in rural water tucky wisconsin but like that i think is the where like that's the magic of travel for me is these these dumb serendipitous moments that you know turn out in spite of the terrible decisions you're making <laughs> i don't know i have a lot of travel stories because i've traveled not a ton, but like I've, you know, we, Jenny and I like to get out and get around. And she also traveled a lot for work. And so I could hop on 
those travels and just have a great time banging around wherever she was, you know, working, I could have the whole day to myself to just bang around and, and check out new cities. And that's how I got through Philadelphia and Boston and San Diego. Like all of these are trips that I would not have otherwise taken, except that I could, could get them, you know, get the hotel part for free. So, um, I know work travel doesn't really count for work travel as travel, except for when you're traveling as the spouse of the work. And then it's yeah. amazing. I'm sure this is not one of my most memorable. Like I did spring break in New York with my bestie and we had adventures. But for me, one of the most re- resonating travel moments for me was in 2012 when my mom died. <clears throat> like all my plans changed. Like I had gotten a, a summer job at at Coppin because I was like, I need to earn more money for grad school. Because like, I mean, I'm flying to Milwaukee. And I need to basically set up a whole new home. And that turned into, well, I guess you're going back to Barbados for the funeral in Grenada, and like you're not going to work, so you're going to be spending the the money that you had saved for grad school. And it was just like fuck. And I had a undergrad friend from Trinidad. And he reached out to me and he was just like, my mom said you, you, you should come true. Like in, in, in the Caribbean, come true just means like come. And I was like, you know what? I'm spending my goddamn hard earned fucking money anyway. Let me just like hop on a flight to Trinidad <laughs> from Barbados. And when I, I I was seeing it was an Instagram TikTok post that talked about like showing up when 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 somebody you know is going through something terrible like this person's dad had our kid had died or something you don't just call you show up and for me that was like one example in my life of like people showing up for me in ways that like are I could have never. Asked. But the offer was made in kindness. And it was really like escapism for me to go from Barbados to Trinidad, just like the smallest hop. And I just went and I hung out with him and his friends. And I met his mom for the first time. And she had me, like I slept at their house. And like I just partied, which seems counterintuitive because I should be grieving, but I grieved by partying very, very hard. And I had a just really good fucking time. And I always look back and I wonder if I ever like really expressed to him how much I had appreciated the offer of escape. And so now I guess I'm saying this on a podcast so that I could say like, hey, I have something I want you to listen to. It was like just what I needed because like I could not, Barbados felt fucking suffocating. Well, and I mean, that's, it sounds a little bit, Nikenji, like what Gabe was talking about before. Like yeah. there was kind of a serendipitous nature to it. Like he just invited you to come and hang out with his crew and be with his family. And like, it was just, you, you wouldn't have been able to say that's what you needed, but it was what you needed at the time. And it was there for you when you needed it. Yeah. And that's just, it's so exactly. cool. My favorite travel memories involve space and time.
the fact is, some of the traveling I've done in my life, you can't go back there. And that's the nature of everything, really. My beloved wife and I and our good, good friend Patrick Whitley took a trip to New York City in August of 1999. And because in August of 1999, I was two I was years old. So, like, I was working as a newspaper. Yeah, I was a journal boy. Like I was like, I was barely making $20,000 a year. The idea of going on this fancy Manhattan vacation was just way out of our, like, we didn't have the money for it. Jenny had, was just finishing her graduate school. So like, like we were like, just basically a couple of students and our buddy Patrick had his brother lived in Brooklyn, just off the Pulaski Bridge in an old potato chip factory. And so they had plenty of room. And so we price-lined a red-eye and flew to New York from, from Milwaukee direct for $99 and were less than a quarter-mile walk from a subway stop that could get us anywhere we wanted to go in Manhattan. And A... Those people don't live there anymore, so you literally can't do that. That development is probably gentrified into something unrecognizable at this point. Because when we were there, it was just a, an old, empty industrial park in Brooklyn in the process of being used by people who are willing to live in old warehouses. And you got to go up on the roof of this potato chip factory and you could see all of New York City laid out across the bridge. And it was just this incredible, authentic experience that one could not have gotten had they been staying at the Drury Inn in Staten Island, right? Like, because that's probably what we could have afforded. No, we wouldn't have been able to afford that. And so we walked all over Manhattan That's that the, during the five days that we were visiting and got to the last day. And there are a lot of cool things we did that you'll never be able to do again. Like we saw Lady Bunny perform at a club. Like it was just, it was incredible. It was just things that you just can't do now. And we were having to decide, do we want to go, how are we going to, do we want to go see, how are we going to, do we want to go see the Twin Towers? We want to go see the the amazing World Trade Center. We want to go see the Statue of Liberty. And we thought, well, you know what? Let's just do, let's do the Staten Island Ferry and we can kind of do both. And then this is so great. We'll come back sometime and, and see the, go to the top of the Twin Towers. <laughs> it's one of my favorite trips. It's got, I've got photos of the Twin Towers taken from the Staten Island Ferry and a tiny blurry photo of the Statue of Liberty taken from the Staten Island Ferry. But more importantly, I watched an incredibly drunk Navy guy hit on a couple of girls and just get shut down so hard that that blots out the memory of anything else that happened in that event. It was incredible. It, it's amazing if you think about it, because probably none of those people remember that moment, but somehow you still do. Um, Not only... Do I still, but like, yeah, like it just as a piece of time and space, like that is a thing you will, I'll never be able to be 25 again. And I will never be able to ride on the Staten Island ferry and look at uh, the twin towers passing by. And, and, you know, it's just, it was a moment. And I am so grateful to have got to experience it because like, there was no reason for me to be there. I couldn't possibly afford it. And like things, just great things kept happening. Yeah. This That's is the a, trip where at the sushi restaurant that thought I was an, was a Chinese folk singer. I don't know. I can't explain it. And like just kept giving me free food. 
like, hey, it's you. They thought I was this famous guy. And like, we couldn't understand them. And, but Mike kind of was like translating. He's like, I don't know. They think you're some Chinese folk singer. And like, just keep bringing the sushi. You're like, yeah, go that, that sounds really awesome. So I believe that there are actually two different type of, types of travel, or there's two types of trips that I've been on in my life. I've been on real, like a relaxing trip. Like that's, you know, going to a beach somewhere and spending your time in the pool and reading books and that kind of thing. Or there, there is more of a sightseeing, you know, visiting monuments and famous places and that kind of trip. There's also the hell trip. There's also the hell trip. Is that when you die? That's when you wish you were dead. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that depends. However... <laughs> Well, no, so there are also those trips that are supposed to be refreshing and end up being, of course, of course, just a, a plod through hell. Yeah, like, yeah, yes. The only so way the, home is through. So, the question I, I want to ask you is if you had to choose tonight to only take one of those types of trips for the rest of your life, you can either go on sightseeing trips or you can go on relaxing trips. Relaxing trips? Which Hello. one would you choose? That is, includes partying too, right? Yeah, like, sure. I have always wanted to be the person who travels and sightsees. But when I travel, I really enjoy sleeping, not having an itinerary of any kind, and like going to the beach. And it really makes me feel awful because I am that tourist that is useless for like the economy. And I'm hoping that I can like beat that out of me as I get older because I would like to travel to Europe and I definitely would not like to go all the way to fucking Europe to just be in my hotel and chill. But like, <laughs> I make no promises. Well, and it, it sounds like if you were forced to choose tonight, you would choose that to uh, just relax. What about you, Gabe? Yeah, I'm struggling. It's cause... a hard question. I'm trying to figure out which of my items I wanted to bring up tonight fit with this. But my travel philosophy has always been deeply, deeply flawed in that when I go somewhere, I'm a local. We just spent the, the week in, in eastern Tennessee and... I, 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 this makes Jenny crazy, but like I start to pick up accents when I'm traveling and it's just a thing I do. I don't mean it. I can't help it. But like, I'm trying to book telephone, I'm trying to book carriage with, with folks and like I call up and I say, Hey there, you all got a, y'all got some kind of, I would like to rent a, a, a UTV, take it out on the trails out back. And they're like, Oh yeah. Hey, you local. We'd love to do that. And Jenny's like dying. She's like, shut up. Stop doing that. You're going to get us murdered. But I don't know. My philosophy is I'm a local. What are you talking about? Don't, I'm not one of those tourists. Don't rip me off. When I take public transportation, when I'm traveling, which I don't do as much as often, but like I will ride the bus and I will look hard at the ground and just be mad that I'm on the bus like a local. And I don't know why they do that, but that's what I do. Like, I don't look around and be like, oh, look, at, look, we're in Koreatown, which is, you know, like, no, it's like, no, it's, I'm on the bus and everybody I, be cool. <laughs> I would say 
the the picking up the accent seems a little bit extreme to me but like i feel like i try to do the same thing when i travel like you you don't want to look like you're someone from out of town you don't want to look like you're an easy mark you know i would love to see this applied to the caribbean uh, yeah but so so that doesn't <laughs> i don't think i could because that would well no no because it it would actually I would. St- I, I'm promising you. I'd start sw- softening my ths. Like I know I would start softening my ths, and it's not because I want to. It's because I am so inherently broken. I need you to like me so much, strange man, that that I'm gonna start talking like you do. Cause cause I cause it's mighty cold down here. You know. I don't know. I I don't think I could do it, but I could try, and I would feel like an ass. Like I do with even the Southerners I talk to. But, oh, my God, in Boston. Boston was really hard on all of us. Like, let's be honest. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Well, so anyway, if tonight I had to pick, I would pick the relax one. But only because relax includes sightseeing by default. (laughs) Like, I can relax. And be like, hey, on the way here, I saw X, Y, or Z, and that counts. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a totally ridiculous question. But, I mean, I would say, for me, if forced to choose, I would just pick Sightsee because I I, I feel like there's so many places that I still need to see. And the responsible thing to do is to, like, pick the more responsible one, even though, like, you know... it's so relaxing to just sit on a beach. It's wonderful. Like it's the best. And, you know, having been lucky enough to get the chance to stay at a couple all inclusive resorts for my honeymoon and with some friends one time, it's like, yeah, that was, that was pretty nice. I could get used to that. I would also push back a little on your idea that a relaxed vacation happens in one place over and over and over again. Sure. I, I very rarely do that kind of vacation. And actually I don't know. I've not read it recently enough to to dump dunk on it, but you know the the famous the famous travel piece, a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again yeah. by David Foster Wallace, wherein he basically lampoons cruising, the cruising industry, and the idea of cruising as a thing for plebes. And and you and I have talked about this in the past, Nick. Like I totally disagree because for me, the the cruise. Is, is excessive and wasteful and a terrible use of resources. But, like, it's a relaxed vacation on wheels. Sure. I would have never had the experience of eating iguana chicken. in Belize on the same vacation. Hmm? It was chicken. Sorry, right. What was I thinking? <laughs> I would never have had that experience on the same trip as watching a privately held Caribbean island sink <laughs> in a rainstorm. Like what none of the, all three of those things happened on one trip because basically I had it. It was it's one of Norwegians. I can look up the name of it, but like they basically have this giant dredging yard that between visits, they just push more sand onto the island because their private island is going away. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, it's off the Bahamas, I think. How cruising's been explained to me is like, and I think what David Foster Wallace was reacting to is is there's a whole 
you know, subculture of travelers who only go on cruises, cruises, like they have their timeshare on a cruise. They feel like that is by far the best way to travel. I, I think the only, like the validity that I see in it is going a bunch of different places, getting a flavor of them and deciding which place is worth coming back and suspending a significant amount of time. in. I can get my mind around that, but like cruising, as as my sole getaway would not be a um, desirable thing, I don't think. I'm not a people person. You guys know this. The best days at sea on the cruise ship, I find the lounges that aren't open yet. And we hang out there and relax. So it's like I'm in this weird, interesting bar, not, sure. not out by the pool watching the guy with 50 of those giant Vuvuzela drinks in his pile behind him, not understanding how math works, what he will need to pay when he goes to disembark and realizes how bring me another drink has totaled up very quickly. Like that guy sucks, but like he underwrites my ability to ride the giant potato chip factory all over greater Manhattan to go to places I wouldn't have otherwise got to go to. One more question I want to do, and I just want to ask, where is the first place you'd like to travel after the pandemic is over? Uh, Right now, our current next travel plans are, I want to go to Moab, Utah, to see Arches National Park and to see the home of Blaseball's Hellmouth Sunbeams. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding. And then we're going to add Southern Colorado and even all the way to the Grand Canyon as part of the loop. That sounds awesome. What about you, Nikenji? Well, okay. When y'all talk travel, y'all usually seem to be talking within the United States. So for me, um, I don't really have strong desires within the United States. But I haven't been back to Barbados in a while, so the first place I want to travel to is Barbados. And I'm hoping to do, like, a quick one, too, because my problem is is that I'm always like, okay, the money that I have for traveling, I'm going to go to Barbados, and then I'm going to save up again, and I'm going to go to somewhere I haven't been before. But then enough time passes that I end up having to, like, go back to Barbados because, like, literally, like, that's my reset. So it's like if I'm going at least for a bit. But I really want to go to Barbados. And then, two, know that, like, I'm older and can, like, slightly save to Towards this, if I want to, I want to go Trinidad Carnival, which is going to be expensive as fuck because I want to actually get a costume and costumes are like over a grand in the US. And then after I get those Damn. two things out the way, I would like to go on a Euro trip that includes. Yeah, that sounds great. Before we decided we only travel with our dogs, we were very, very interested in international travel. But like then Trump happened. And we're like, not only do we not want to complicate things with the fact that we would not be able to cross the borders with our dogs, but now we can't really even cross the borders without without you know going through the rigmarole of passports. So until that arrangement occurs, and frankly, I don't have to lug my fragile luggage around with us, I think my, that's the reason we've opted not to travel internationally. However, I, I w- put a stake in the ground and tell you that indeed cruising is international travel. I literally am putting my care into the good people of Norway when I step on the ship. And then I go to the Western Caribbean, not your Western Caribbean. It's east of your Western Caribbean. But I've done Eastern and Western. And no, I agree, Bahamas, not international travel, but certainly Belize and Honduras which is, and Mexico, which is a real country. All of those are international countries. 
I think I would... Alaska counts as international travel. <laughs> well, no, it's I'm just not messing with you, Nikenji. <laughs> I know I, I I appreciate what you're saying, Nikenji. You know, I like have been lucky throughout my life. I've gotten to travel a lot mostly domestically. As I was growing up, my dad took my brother and I to different baseball stadiums every year. So we went to 20 major league baseball stadiums. So obviously we've seen, you know, some of the bigger cities in the country. I've gotten to travel a lot for my job to a lot of awesome places. And then I've gotten to do solo travel domestically. I was walking the dog the other night and I was thinking about some of those places I had been and just thinking about the fact that you know, even now, while I'm here walking my dog, those places exist. And then I started to think of how, you know, when I think of places that I've been and when I try to think about, you know, those those places in moments where I'm at my home, I can't think of anywhere that's really not America. I mean, I've been to Mexico a couple of times and I've been to Canada. So I, I, I really feel like the pandemic has helped me realize I need to see some other things. Prior to the pandemic, I kind of felt like, well, there's still a lot of places I'd love to see in America. But now I'm kind of feeling like, you know, I've seen a lot of this country. And the place that I most want to travel right now that we've talked about is Iceland. There's a band that we really like from Iceland. Um, and we'd really like to travel to Iceland to see that band play of Monsters and Men, they're called. And just you know, sit in one of those natural hot water springs and, you know, take pictures in front of a waterfall. So I think when the pandemic ends, we we are going to plan a trip to Iceland. Cool, cool. Mackenzie, do you have anything? Do you have a, a plan? A topic about travel? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't have anything nice to say. For me, tra- tra- travel <laughs> is just tra- like sifting through all of my memories on travel most of the time i have to like unsift traveling as a traumatic experience so like do you guys have any traumatic experiences with travel i'll go first so like the first time i well no the second time i ever went because i'm born in grenada and sometimes I forget this and I remember this and I forget this and I remember this. So my mother's Grenadian. I was born in Grenada and then I moved to Barbados when I was like less than one or one-ish. So I mostly consider myself Barbadian. So when I was growing up, I went to Grenada once when I was eight. And then I went to Grenada a second time. And it was because my mom essentially fled the country and like left my dad. There was an incident that we all heard and then we pretended that we didn't hear because that's what you did in that household. And my mom had to go to the hospital. Turned out she had like a broken rib or fractured ribs. And my family found out and my family was like, hell the fuck no. And they put together money and got us all plane tickets to Grenada. And it was a, we have terms in Barbados. So it was a Christmas trip where we were not coming back. <laughs> but that's how we were able to like get out because we, we were traveling to, to, to Grenada for Christmas. And so for me, Grenada is now henceforth ruined because not only is Grenada the place where I had to leave my, I really liked my secondary school when I was 11. It was perfect. I finally had like a group of friends. Like I had a click for the first time ever in my fucking life. And then I went to Grenada and it was just like all ruined and I cried every day and that fucked up my, my, (laughs) my uterus clock. My brain was like, "Ah, 
periods all the time for you. <laughs> then that's also where my mother is buried. So I literally will one day as an adult have to come to terms with going back to the place I was born and not just be a miserable, traumatized mess. And that will be therapy in 10 years or 20. I think retirement age, I'll probably have to face it. I don't see myself getting back to Grenada anytime soon. I don't have a response to that. <laughs> like, I, I, that sucks. And like, at the same time, it's so like, I don't I don't know. Do you really think of that as travel or that's relocation? That's mm-hmm. a good point. Like, I don't know. Like, like honestly, I, I can tell you this. For 20 years, the only regular traveling, and again, this is very privileged, but my grandfather-in-law bought property on a lake in northern Wisconsin. And two years ago, it was sold. So we had our own little boat up there. And uh, you guys heard me complain about having to own a boat. Like, I hate owning a boat. uh, Owning a boat is like owning an anchor, except it's (laughs) attached to a boat and it's going to drag you down to the bottom (laughs) of whatever watery body you go by. But like, I can sum up that last summer of traveling to this former place of love and restoration thusly. There are a lot of things wrong with the boat, but the engine was in great shape. Like we had just spent a ton of money before we put it away for a couple of years for reasons rebuilding it. So the engine was great, but like the the interior of the boat needed to be redone, like the 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 seat and you know the the upholstery. We had to get rid of it, and so. We have nowhere here to take it. I'm not going to, we have no ability or time to drive it to somewhere locally where we can try to sell it or reclaim it or store it. I don't have the kind of, like I lucked into the situation. So I lucked into the boat. Like all of these things were things I couldn't afford anyway. I could not possibly put money into storing this boat that I probably will never get off the round. It was just sort of nicely parked there. We knew it was there. And one day, you know, retire and and have fun with it. Have you ever tried to get rid of a boat? Nobody wants. (laughs) There's a boat I don't want. I would like to sell it to you. You don't want it either. Okay. So what do I do? I call the dump guy. The dump guy's like, I don't know. I don't, I, we don't take boats. I'm like, okay, what do I do with this boat that I can't have? Call Rawhide Boys Ranch, Gabe. I did. And they said, that boat is in too shitty of a condition for us to come get it. I called the boat people that used to work with the former employer and said, hey, how about this boat? And they're like, nah. So I can't leave the boat on the property. I can't move the boat to other property because my name is on the title of the boat, which will eventually be traced back to me and you can be charged for abandoning a boat. Would you like to guess what the, what I did? And it was actually pretty cathartic. It was sad, but cathartic. You sunk the boat. No, oh God, no! That would be so illegal. Yeah, <laughs> Again, he wouldn't. That would be he wouldn't problem. be admitting that on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I I ended up having to call up a local landfill and find out what the deal is, and so I paid eighty dollars for the privilege to back my boat up into a landfill, my perfectly serviceable boat into a landfill. 
and I decided I was going to keep the trailer. So I backed it up at an angle so that I could unleash it and basically launch this boat into the <laughs> landfill as if I was pushing it off into a sea of garbage. Mario, that is depressing. I'm not laughing, but it's funny. <laughs> and pulled away, watching the boat sinking under all this trash as it sort of settled into the fresh garbage. <laughs> And people who are there dropping off like their old recyclables and stuff are looking at me going, hey, is, that a, is that a boat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking boat. Thanks. <laughs> you know, that's an amazing story because the old axiom is the two best days of a boat owner's life are when they buy the boat and they sell the boat. And I'm just wondering how that translates to pushing the boat into a landfill. <laughs> There's nothing written to that one. <laughs> I'm telling you, I had... <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, yeah, and that is the metaphor for how nah. that travel experience went. <laughs> that's that's an, that's an amazing story. I, this is a great question to Kenji. I'm actually going to go... You know, I have a number of answers for this, but I'm actually going to go with a situation from pretty recently, actually, maybe about a month ago. My wife was nice enough to allow me to go spend the night in a hotel in Wisconsin Dells, which is something that I thought I wanted to do. And Wisconsin Dells was a place to me that we went to a lot in my childhood. Then when my wife lived in La Crosse and I lived in Milwaukee, it was a place that we would meet to spend like a weekend together or whatever during college. So Wisconsin Dells kind of always has held a special place in my heart. But over like the last couple of times I've been there, I've kind of realized like how dumpy it is and that I kind of been have been looking at it through rose-colored glasses. So just recently, I rented a hotel to get a, my first night away during the pandemic after being vaccinated. And we, we found a, a whirlpool room at the Ramada. And I wasn't as fully grossed out until I got in the room and I realized like most people probably use this whirlpool for other things besides just like sitting in it and relaxing. And so I was just kind of like grossed out the whole time. <laughs> like, and I thought like, why did I think that this was like, what occurred to me that a whirlpool room in Wisconsin Dells was a good idea? Yeah. I'm lucky I don't kinda have pink eye, but I even had a bad experience. I, I, I tried to order dinner from a restaurant and went to pick it up. There was all sorts of people inside without masks on and people walking in and out without masks on. And they told me 30 minutes. I waited 30 minutes. I went over there. I walked up to the lady and she goes, she like, I was like, I'm here to pick up my meal. And she kind of like laughed at me. She's like, oh, it's going to be a while. And I'm like, well, you told me 30 minutes. And she's like, yeah, well, it's going to be about 20 more minutes. And I'm like, yeah, no, cancel. I had ordered like a steak and like a steak and potato and everything. Like I was going to treat myself. I was on vacation. And so I ended up eating at the the noodles in Wisconsin Dells. If just so you know how desperate I was. That was the night of the big no, uh, I get it. Harry and Meghan Markle interview. So I ended up watching that in the hot tub. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and now I'm pregnant. <laughs> And, you know, the whole thing, it just, the whole thing kind of depressed me because I realized like mm. how I always looked at Wisconsin Dells with these rose colored glasses as I was growing up. And I realized what an actual dumpy place it was. And like, I was there as an escape ostensibly. And I was like having this crappy time. So that's pretty much my most recent crappy travel experience. 
That's beautiful. <laughs> that is beautiful. What do you got for us, Gabe? My travel aspirations have always commingled with my writing aspirations. Mm. And I have often wanted to do the thing, but never really explored or made any real progress toward doing the thing of becoming a travel writer, mostly because I like hanging out with my family, yada, yada, yada. But I have written some things as a result of travel that I'm really, really proud of. And a lot of that is inspired by travel writing that I like to read. I've read some amazing travel logs. And I thought I would be interested to know if you guys have an affinity for travel media before I before I share one of my absolute favorites that I that kind of sculpted who I am as a traveler. I have definitely done both written travel logs, journaled travel logs, and photo travel logs. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, it's so fun to go back through those photos or go back through the, the blog posts I've written or whatever. And remember those little things that, you know, time might've made me forget. And so, you know, it's not like I revisit these albums often, but when I do, I always find myself rewarded and I feel like, you know, in a way it almost justifies the experience or makes it worthwhile because it makes it easier for me to revisit those places in my mind or to think back to something fun or funny or enjoyable that happened. And and I really do believe travel is, you know, refreshing. It's, and I think there's a creative aspect to, uh, to it as well. So yeah, I, I feel like I always try to write when I travel. I don't always accomplish it or I try to write when I get back home or whatever. Um, if anyone ever wants to like piece together my travel experiences, they'll have to like break into my WhatsApp conversations with my friend. Cause I think that's the best kind of log. Is. That's a kind of log. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's cool. I, I Nick, I didn't even think about it in terms of my own journaling. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, whenever we travel, I, I have a tick where I always start the travel log with diary of a weary traveler colon. Like, mm-hmm. like just as to get myself going in that moment of writing Diary of Weary, Weary Traveler, day one, Orlando, you know, we're pretty, uh, Diary of a Weary Traveler, day one, St. Augustine, we're pretty sure there was a hooker under the bed, a dead one, but we didn't look, we were afraid, boy, that room stunk, that stuff. This is true. Jennifer makes us check the hotel beds for dead hookers under them, and then we also have to lift them and look under the mattress in the box on the closed in ones because for whatever reason we live in fear of finding a dead hooker in I'm our bed in our hotel room um, it's super inappropriate like i feel badly but we literally that is what we say when we walk in a hotel room to the point where even guy is like do you want me to look for dead hookers before my wife will enter the room you know i mean like the i i feel like I'm going to get us canceled, aren't I? Like the, (laughs) for me, I always look for bed bugs. I I have the dead hooker thing never (laughs) crossed my mind. Well, St. Augustine will do that to you. It's the oldest city in America. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, it Um, is. In Florida? Yes. I visited there for a grad school trip for FSU, I think. I stayed there. I I didn't get it. We've all been there. All of the buildings there are made of cojina. 
It is a mix of shells and substrate from the sea turned into a <laughs> primitive type of concrete. I have a lot of great photos of me standing behind cannons as if it was my giant wang. Yeah, 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 I do, yeah. I do like to take a lot of those <laughs> when <What>? I travel. <laughs> uh, there's a, I, I've got a whole lot of, like, I used to have a flicker feed of me and inappropriately doing things to statues <laughs> all over the world, but I don't do those as much anymore. The truth is, I take my inspiration as a traveler from a TV series that was super popular in the 90s called, well, now it's called, it has a different name, but in the year two, in 1999, it was called, it was uh, licensed to the Lonely Planet. So like, you know, mm. the Lonely Planet travel guides. But anyway, my point is this program called Lonely Planet, which was based on, which was a licensed version of this thing had, uh, was basically, they took the, the loner local insertion self-referential journalism approach like like to documenting travel and i that that sort of affects how jennifer and i travel we wander we look at things we think about capturing and expressing these stories and we try to really get a flavor for the locality and the culture that we're visiting as opposed to sort of typical sightseeing right i mean i think that that n normally and certainly the old elderly couple who thought they just booked a ride on a, a river tour would not have relished in the opportunity to eat bamboo chicken but like <laughs> having a love of that sort of gonzo approach to travel writing gave jennifer and i the ability to appreciate that moment for what it was as a cultural experience i love being somewhere else and the freedom that comes with that mm -hmm. for a week. I don't have a home in Watertown I need to worry about or a job that I'll be returning to. I just have this moment in this place and figuring out my place in it. And it works so well for that gonzo writing experience because you get, you can bring your stuff, you know, you can sit down, mm -hmm. you can plug your computer in and do some writing. And it's just, it, that's that's what travel is for me and that's i think the magic of it and why i why in you know i we currently why what went that went in okay i'm so tired you guys my point is that was, was a big factor in my decision to pursue a career in education this late in life the fact is jenny's going to retire earlier than i am and that means, I mean, because, you know, she's planned for a retirement and I just assumed it would never occur for me. But like Jenny's going to retire and we will have summers to travel, literally. And we don't know what that means yet, but we do know that like we're getting really good at traveling with our animals and just being gone for months at a time. And I find that so appealing. I guess the question I have, the, the jumping on point for you guys is... When does that cross the line from travel <laughs> to lifestyle? Because for Nikenji, I feel like a lot of it is lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You don't travel so much as you just live in a lot of places for various amount of times. And when you do travel, 
you know, it, of course it's traumatic because you're being required to go somewhere. I, I I actually think I'm I'm wired that way a little bit myself, and I'm I'm trying to overcome that, and it, it's it's a hard thing to do. I mean, you know, I love the. Sometimes it takes me to get a while to get my head around the idea of traveling or to actually want to do it. You know, I, I also have had experiences where like, I feel like the best trips that I've taken were like trips that kind of like built up towards something like, you know, maybe on the last night of the trip, we were going to a concert or, you know, when we, when I went to Mexico with my friends, we were supposed to go to a big like dance and a music club on the last night that we didn't end up going to. And I was really kind of disappointed about that. So like, um, I think I'm kind of in this phase of my life now where I've had some unpleasant experiences traveling. I don't really like, like ceding a lot of control to, you know, other people. I just kind of really like traveling with my wife because we can kind of talk about things together and figure out what we want to do. And I think that's kind of like the thing that I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to become a little bit more of a kind of a willing and excited traveler. I will always have an impoverished mind. To me, whenever I make or save enough money to go anywhere, I think to myself, but this would be so juicy in your savings. And this is why I literally don't- You can't take it with you. Well, I don't know if like, to me, I've always been my safety net. So it feels so cringe to like spend that amount of money- travel and I can't get over it in my head mentally and so that makes it hard I tend to have anxiety about planning things so literally any trips that I've taken have been because I had to or because somebody wanted me to and I was like okay cool let's go but even then I get really really anxious about all the things that could go wrong. And I think that's pretty much why I end up just going back to my readers every time I have the opportunity to travel. <laughs> well, Nikenji, you and I traveled together to Fort Wayne, Indiana, I believe. And I felt like we had a nice but time. But that was for work. So, like, it wasn't... I didn't really have to, like, do anything. Like, when people are like, oh, right, I went right, to right. Iceland... Why? Because I wanted to. I'm like, I could never, like, I understand that, but I could, I I could never, like, how? That would be so liberating. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about spending, you know, spending a week in a uh, condo in Birmingham? Alabama? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm black. But but Birmingham is, is, is a cultural center. But I would have to enter Alabama. Yeah, right. Sure. Well, you could fly into it. <laughs> I've been, you... I've, I've enjoyed it. I'm just saying, like, okay, let's maybe it was a bad choice. What do you think about spending a weekend in San Diego? Oh, I would. I don't have anything in San Diego. So somebody, my friend would have to want to go and they encourage me to go along. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm just saying, like, you could do that, though. Like, you could, you could get up tomorrow and be in san diego but by was that tomorrow morning like that's exactly where i was when we went to new york you know what i mean like we can't spend this yeah. money we're yeah. gonna go like and there was a possibility that we would run out of food and and be you know go home hungry you'd, you'd have to figure it out but like, yeah, like there's just and like i talk with a lot of backwards looking 
you know, bravado. But the truth is, like any, like we said, like we started the show off with, any number of horrible things could have happened along the way. It just turns out they didn't, and so it's a good memory. But you get to, but you gotta, you gotta, gotta be there to go there, go there to Absolutely. be there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. You gotta go there to be there. Let's 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 talk about what we learned today. I have one here today. I learned that the hot tubs in the Wisconsin Dells are not what you think they're for. <laughs> no, they're exactly what you think they're for. Perhaps they are. <laughs> I also learned that of monsters and men is from Iceland. Yeah. True fact. And I I learned that Nikenji enjoys a juicy savings. I learned that finally Nick shares my opinion of Wisconsin Dells. Because whenever people talk excitedly about Wisconsin Dells, I'm always like, what? What? Seriously, their main attraction is a dog that jumps over a hole in a rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I learned that, again, Gabe is so much older than me because every time he was, how young he was in 1999, I'm like, I was nine years old, which is hilarious. <laughs> I was nine years old. I hadn't even, I haven't even traveled traumatically yet. <laughs> That's what I learned. Cruising counts as international travel. I learned that Mackenzie instantly answer, answered that question about whether she wanted to take a trip to relax or sightsee. And she like said, relax almost before I finished the, the question. So I learned that Mackenzie wants to travel to relax. I learned that Gabe is not buying David Foster Wallace's most famous essay, a supposedly fun thing I will never do again. And I learned that when all else fails, you just dump your boat in a landfill. <laughs> so what else are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. You're dumping a landfill. So, want to share one more quote? We started the um, show with a quote. Travel isn't always pretty. It isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it hurts. It even breaks your heart. But that's okay. The journey changes you. It should change you. It leaves marks on your memory on your consciousness, on your heart, and on your body. You take something with you. Hopefully you leave something good behind. Anthony Bourdain. So there are places out there that are still calling us, places we need to see. If we heed this call, if we deal with the discomfort, the break from routine, and find that piece of the world that has been calling, it will probably be okay.